Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, I'm excited. Lesson two, the kingdom. And this is incredible. If you weren't with us last week, lesson one literally had tons of chatter in the chat rooms, right? I received so many texts from, a lot of guys have my, my, my cell phone because they were in my connect groups over the years. And I just received tons of texts. Man, that was powerful. That was amazing. They're excited about the series and I'm excited about it. And last weekend, we, we discovered that we are part of an ancient kingdom and the king is ancient, Jesus, right? And we looked at the, the, the three phases of our kingdom and we saw that it's always existed. Jesus has no beginning. And then we looked at the second phase or age of the kingdom of God. It's called the expansion age and we're in it right now. And Jesus wants his church to help fill up his kingdom. So we're filling the kingdom up. And every time someone accepts Christ, we're adding them to the kingdom. And I wanna thank all of you believers, Warren and Boardman, everybody. I wanna thank you guys so much. I love you guys so much. I wanna thank you for helping us reach the valley. And then guess what? There's a third age to that kingdom. And that third age, is what we call the ruling age. It's when Jesus literally comes to the earth and he is going to become the king over every nation. It's gonna be incredible. And you know, the Bible says that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. If you do it on this side of eternity, you go to heaven, your sins are washed away. But even if you don't do it on this side of eternity, this is important for us to remember, everybody will when Jesus comes and I'm, I'm not looking forward to that moment for some people, but the one thing I am looking forward to is the fact that all the lies are gonna be uncovered and you and I are gonna finally know who was jiving us, right? Who's jiving us in Washington? Who's jiving us on the media? Who's jiving us you know, in Hollywood? And it's all gonna come out. So I wanna bring as many of those people to Christ as I possibly can, and I know you do too, but someday all the lies will be uncovered. That was lesson one, the kingdom, it's ancient and it's coming and it's amazing. Well, this is lesson two and we're gonna talk about kingdom culture. Every nation, every kingdom has a culture and the kingdom of God has a culture and we're gonna to talk to you about uh, the three principles of our culture. Before I do, I wanna talk a little bit about Jesus and then the early church. Jesus was a rebel, but not in the way you might think he was a rebel, but he was a rebel. And when he came, they didn't know what to do with him. Uh, the Jewish religious leaders, they, they didn't accept Jesus. They thought the Messiah would come and he'd be a political man. He'd set up a kingdom and he'd defeat Rome in battle. He'd defeat all the world in battle. And they were looking for that type of king to come, that type of Messiah. So they were absolutely shocked. I mean, absolutely shocked when Jesus came and he didn't display any of that, they couldn't understand how's he doing all these miracles and he can't be the Messiah because he's supposed to come and reign. The Bible teaches us that God blinded their minds and didn't allow them to see that because uh, he said they disobeyed him. So they couldn't see Jesus would come first as the savior. They missed all that in the Old Testament, their Bible. But Jesus didn't get along with them because they didn't like him, right? 
And then the Roman Empire didn't know what to do with Jesus because the Roman Empire, if you were part of their empire, they wanted you to worship the emperor, uh, the Caesar at that time, and Jesus wouldn't worship Caesar. But he was, he just, they didn't know what category to put him in because uh, he did obey all their rules. He said, pay your taxes, give them to Caesars, what is Caesars? He obeyed every law. He went to speed limit or whatever, made sure his donkey was on the right side of the road, all those things, right? He obeyed everything, but he would not bow his knee to worship the emperor. So he wouldn't follow the Jewish way. He wouldn't follow the Roman way. And they're wondering, what do we do with him? So they gave him a name and they gave the early church a name. And guess what that name was? They called Jesus in the early church the third way, the third way. And we changed it into the way, but if you study history, it was the third way. And so the early church comes along and they're just like Jesus. Uh, they're not bowing to religion uh, and they're not bowing to the Roman empire that they were part of. And they're saying to the Roman empire, hey, we'll follow all your normal rules, but we're not worshiping the emperor. And when they were told they weren't allowed to preach Christ anymore and they were told stop it, they just went right back out and preached Christ. And then when they were scolded and they were gonna be thrown in jail, they said, who should we obey, God or man? And so guys, there's gonna come a time when we say, hey, if the world's culture is contrary to God's culture, we're gonna follow God's culture. That's coming, Future America series, we talked about it. But we wanna talk about that everyday life and the culture that Jesus has set up. And when you and I live that culture, we are the third way. The world looks at us and doesn't know what to do with us. They're like, what do we do with these guys? Um, the very things we believe in, the very things we're trying to cram down their throats, because Washington's gonna try to cram all kinds of ungodly things down our throats and our children's throats. They're gonna say, these guys are different. Yeah, we're the third way. We're the third way. And we're not gonna go religious. We're not gonna do everything the government says that's not biblical. We're gonna say, hey, we have to obey God. And God wants us to think about this fact. Guys, we are the third way. And this lesson's about the culture that Jesus has set for the third way. So I have a big idea. This is what I want us to walk out understanding more clearly than ever. And if you're visiting, that's where this lesson's gonna go with the big idea. And here it is, you ready? When we realize we belong to a kingdom before we belong to a country, it changes everything. Listen to that one more time. When we realize we belong to a kingdom before we belong to a country, it changes everything. Your entire life changes when you realize, hey, I'm an American or you know, I'm European. We have people watching all over the world. I'm African. Where, wherever you're watching from, everything changes when you realize I'm part of God's kingdom before I'm part of anything on this earth. And so we don't rebel against the normal things of this earth, but man, we understand I'm part of the kingdom of God. Here's a cool scripture, guys. You ready? Colossians 3.10. You are a living brand and a brand new kind of life, or you are living a brand new kind of life that is continually learning more and more of what is right. And I like that because you know what? Our walk with Jesus is progressive. It takes time, but we're continually learning. What's the culture of God's kingdom? It goes on to say, and trying constantly to be more and more like Christ who created this new life within you. And that's what we're striving to do. We're try, trying to pick up the culture of God's kingdom, live it, even when it's contrary to this world's kingdom, right? Uh, the kingdoms of this world. Listen to verse 11. 
in this new life, one's nationality or race or education or social position is unimportant. Such things mean nothing. Whether a person has Christ is what matters, and he is equally available to all. And think about it. Doesn't matter where you live. We talked about this last week. We have brothers and sisters in China, in Iran, North Korea. Those are some countries that hate our guts, Russia, right? Governments are trying to take over the world, so to speak. And you know what? We have brothers and sisters in those countries. And you know what? God says, I don't care what country you live in. The most important thing is my kingdom. And when you can realize you're part of the kingdom of God before you're part of a country, it does change everything. And it brings this incredible freedom. Now, make sure you understand what I'm not talking about. Jesus doesn't care about all those wonderful things from our cultures, right, our ethnicities. He doesn't care if you like kibbe. He doesn't care if you like pigs in the blanket. He doesn't care if you like pasta and meatballs or you like greens. He doesn't care about that. He doesn't care about all those little things of our culture. But when the world culture, our ethnicity or whatever it is, our politics, when they go contrary to what God teaches in the Bible, he wants us to go with his kingdom every single time, even if it causes some persecution. So I came up with what I call the three principles of the kingdom of God. And if we can grasp this, guys, this big idea is going to come to life. Remember our big idea. When we realize we belong to a kingdom before we belong to a country, it changes everything. Here's the first principle. Kingdom culture is defined by a king. There's a cool story in the Old Testament. Uh, it was about King Xerxes. He was the king of the Persian Empire when they were the big controlling empire. They had conquered most of the earth. He's their king. And so he said to his queen, let's throw a seven-day party. And he said, you can have the little castle. I'll take the big castle. And, and all the top people in the kingdom, the ladies went with his wife and all the men went with King Xerxes. They partied hardy for six days. We don't even want to talk about the crazy party they had. But on the seventh day, King Xerxes is a little drunk and he starts, uh, begins to brag about how pretty his wife is. So he says to one of the runners there, he says, hey, Go tell my wife, go to her party, tell her I need her, come over here. I, I want to parade her in front of these men. Maybe, you know, have her go down the walkway with some different outfits on. I don't know. And so the runner goes and says to the queen, he says, King Xerxes wants you to come. And she said, tell him no. Talk to the hand, right? She said, I'm not coming. He can talk to me tomorrow, but I'm hosting this party. So the guy goes back and tells Xerxes. Now understand, this isn't the will of God. But back then in Bible days, women were subservient. Again, that's not the will of God. I'm so thankful we've grown out of that. But that was the custom back then. And when King Xerxes heard that, he was boiling. His blood was boiling. And then his top advisors, his top leaders said, you have to nip this in the bud because if you don't set the culture, everything's going to go wrong. Tomorrow we're going to say something to our wives and they're going to say the queen doesn't do it and we're not doing it. And they're like worried about this coup, right? And so they said to the king, you have to deal with this. You know what he did? He divorced his wife instantly and he threw her out on the streets. And Esther's a great book, by the way. It's what God did with that open door and it's a beautiful story. It's a short book. I encourage you to read it. Again, I'm not pushing their culture, but what I'm saying is, the king set the culture and he knew, if I don't set the culture, it's all gonna change. And Jesus knows that. So Jesus said, in the positive sense, I have to set the culture of my kingdom 
and Jesus set the culture of his kingdom. And he's done it throughout the New Testament. He, he sets culture in the gospels. He sets culture in the epistles, which are the letters that God wrote to the churches. And so even though Jesus didn't speak these things, he gave the apostles that wrote them down, he gave them the words. So he's setting culture throughout the New Testament. And you and I, we read these things and we have to decide, am I going to pick that part of the culture up? And the first principle is, hey, Jesus sets the culture, the king sets the culture. So I chose two cultural things Jesus set. He wants this to be the culture of his kingdom. One has to do with attitude, we'll deal with that second. The other has to do with our lifestyle and purity. And I just wanna show you how I, I came about this and how God worked it into my life and it became part of my culture. It's the kingdom of God's culture. So we wanna talk about this incredible truth. Jesus set a culture of sexual purity inside and out. You know, in the Old Testament, God just said, don't commit adultery. He never dealt with their minds and their thoughts because they weren't capable of dealing with that until they became a new Christian, a new person, right? But then Jesus comes, he says, oh, guys, I'm gonna add to this because now you're gonna be ready. I wanna set the culture for my kingdom. And for some of you that say, this isn't an issue in my life. Well, it's an issue in your great-grandchildren's your great life. It's an issue in your grandchildren's life. It's an issue in your kid's life. And you need to understand it so you can, you can help. And it's also an issue in some adult people's lives. So here's Jesus setting the culture for his church, Matthew 5, 27, 28. You have heard the commandment that says, you must not commit adultery. And that's the Old Testament. That's an act, an outward act. Verse 28, but I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Wow. So now Jesus is going inside. Let me make sure you understand what he's not saying. Guys, he's not saying it's wrong to notice that a woman's pretty. Women, it's not, it's not saying it's wrong to notice that a man's handsome. That's not wrong. That's just humanity. You see it, you notice it, what we do afterwards. He's talking about taking it and, you know, sexually fantasizing over it. So that's what he's dealing with. And I remember as a young Christian, I want to tell you my story. I accepted Christ at 19, but in a couple months I was 20. And so this went on in my 20s. I didn't hear a preacher preach this. It did not come from a preacher. This is how powerful God is. This is how powerful our king is. And I remember reading this, and the first thing I did was argue with God because I was sexually active. My wife was still in high school in Chicago. We hadn't met, but I'm a sexually active single guy, and I'm reading these scriptures, and I'm arguing with God. God, you can't, you can't mean that I can't have relations. You created it. It's fun. And I started with that, and then finally I gave in to that, but then I said, God, come on. If you're not actually doing it, it's not a sin. And I was really into pornography and all of those types of things. And I would argue with God. And I just remember the Holy Spirit. I didn't know who it was or what it was, but he would begin to hound me day and night. Joe, he's not talking to these ears, but he's convicting me saying, Joe, you have to walk away from this. You have to become pure. And I'll never forget the day I surrendered. It was amazing. No preacher made me do it. No weird church made me do it. I just saw that the king, Jesus set a culture of sexual purity. And I'll never forget the day when I said, Jesus, I submit to that. Whew. 
And you might think my life became boring. You might think it ruined my life. It released so much life in me, so much peace, so much joy. Uh, it made me ready for marriage and it made my marriage awesome. Guys, it brought me freedom and I thought it was gonna bring me bondage. And that's the only reason Jesus gives us these cultural uh, themes that he wants us. He says, this is the culture of my kingdom, sexual purity. But then I wanna deal with the second one next, guys, because that stands alone. What I said makes sense. But here's the second one, it's attitude. Jesus set a can-do culture. And you've heard me say this before. I was born a negative person very negative. I have always seen the glass half empty, right? And I am, I'm by nature, I'm not positive. I, I have never had a can-do attitude. I've always had a can't-do attitude. I've never believed in people. Um, I've always complained when I'm going through tough times. And then I meet Jesus. And Jesus begins to say, Joe, that's not the culture of the kingdom. And I'm like, well, that's just how I see life, Jesus. He's always bugging me, right? So that's how I see life, Jesus. And I'll never forget this scripture and what God did with it in my life. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You hear me say this and repeat this scripture, teach it in different ways a lot. And when you read the context, it's talking about going through really difficult times when life is just beating you up and storms are hitting you. And I'll never forget, I was going through some tough things. They weren't majorly tough, but I was just being very negative about what was going on and people that disappointed me. And I just say negative things about them. And I'll just never forget Jesus dealing with me saying, Joe, Joe, I can give you the grace to walk through anything with a good attitude. I can give you a can-do attitude. And there had to come a time in my life where I said, all right, Jesus, that's the culture of your kingdom. You don't want negative Joe walking around your kingdom. You want me to be positive, all right? And then God flipped it and, and he showed me in my heart through the Holy Spirit that, hey, Joe, you can take on any task and you can overcome any task. And I thought, boy, I wish I knew this when I was in high school, right? Um, uh, there were some courses. I remember my senior year, I, I had a chemistry course and I walk in and I think I was there three days and I just walked out. I didn't need it to graduate. I wasn't going to major in chemistry. It was, in my opinion, so difficult. I was so negative. I said, I can't learn any of this. And I just went down to the office and canceled that class, you know? And, and I, I remember the struggles of some other classes. How about English literature? I had to go through that. I couldn't walk away from that. And I know it's very precious to some of you, but I didn't care about who wrote those old books and I didn't want to read those old books. And, and they didn't have, I didn't have any interest in them. And, and I just was negative all the way through. Didn't even try. I'm like, I don't wanna do this. And I think, man, if I were in school today, all, all of you students, college, high school, grade school, man, guess what? Jesus can give you the ability to take any class, to conquer anything. How about those of you in business? How about those of you going through 2020? Guys, Jesus wants us to come to the place where we submit to the culture of his kingdom, which is I can do culture. He doesn't want any of us giving up. He wants us to have that attitude. I can run through a wall. I can just defeat anything. I can conquer anything. And guys, when I submitted to that one, freedom exploded again. Negativity left my life. And this is not talking about, you know, positive uh, mind control. It all came from here, man. And I came to a place to where no matter what assignment Jesus gave me, 
I said, all right, Jesus, I can do that. I'm gonna talk to you about that in another lesson. But this is kingdom culture. It can, it can be attitude, it can be sexual purity, it can be any area of our life. And guys, Jesus has set the culture. Every time you read your Bible, you are following the culture of the king. Here's the second principle, you ready for this one? Kingdom culture is set by the laws of a kingdom or country, right? So in America, we, we drive on the right side of the road. And my brother Tony's been all over the world starting Bible school. So I was in a, a nation with him where they drove on the left side of the road and I was driving and that's the freakiest thing ever, right? Just driving on the opposite side of the road. And uh, it just, it's just weird, but you know, either way is fine. God doesn't care, right? Nations set their culture. I was in Italy once and these pastors were picking me up to come preach at their churches. So they're coming to the hotel and this one pastor, he literally went through every red light on the way to church. And, and I, I, I said to him, I said, you're going through red lights. Aren't those red? Does red mean the same thing in Italy? He said, a red light is a suggestion in Italy. He did, he did. He goes, we stop and look, it's just a suggestion. And Italian drivers are insane. It's a crazy place to drive, the craziest place I've ever driven. But you know, they had their rules. This guy wasn't following it, but he, he wasn't alone. Nobody followed those rules. If they could go through a red light, they just drove through. Kind of wish we could do that here, right, sometimes. But guys, listen, listen, listen. We all have our rules and most of the rules in a country are just wonderful. And the country sets that, the kingdom sets that. And Jesus has set a law in our kingdom and it's the toughest law that's ever been set. It's the most difficult law to follow everywhere. And I wanna just talk to you about the law that our king set in our kingdom, right? It's a kingdom law. And I like to say it this way, our kingdom has one law and it's love. Isn't that amazing? Just one law. And the thing about love is if you and I love people, We'll follow the Ten Commandments then, right? If you love someone, you won't covet what they have. You won't kill them. You won't steal from them, right? If you love someone, Jesus said, if you love, you will fulfill all the law. And so he gave us one law. And he says this in John 13, 34. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. So he gives us the example, the way I loved you, I want you to love each other. The word new, a new commandment, you've heard me say this before, it's a Greek word that means that which is new that replaces the old. So he says, this is replacing all those commandments in the Old Testament because, and he's not saying we don't wanna live by them, he's just saying if you walk in love, you'll obey every one of them, right? It, it's, the, it's the law of our kingdom, it's the one law. We have one law and it's the toughest law in the world to follow. I've never met a tougher law. He goes on to say, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So he gave us one law. But then he takes it even further. Okay, Lord, I can, I can love fellow Christians. We worship together, at least the ones in my church, right? I don't know about ones from other churches, especially if they, belong, they believe different, right? But I can love the people in my church, right? And then he goes just even further. This is, guys, this is the culture of our kingdom. Think about it. Kingdom love loves everyone. Jesus said, I want you to love even your enemies. Then he said, I want you to forgive everybody that wrongs you. And as a young Christian, guys, as a pastor that had pastored 20 years, I had a hard time with this, right? I picked it up about 
my 25th year, I picked this up, my 26th year. It took a while. It's like, love my enemies, right? And, and that's really difficult. And then on top of that, forgive them. So the one thing I had to learn about forgiveness, and I don't want to take a lot of time on this, but it will set some of you free because you don't know it yet, is the Bible teaches two types of forgiveness. Forgiveness is always there. That means to release someone of what they've done to you. But it, it teaches us closed and open forgiveness. So closed means you have closure. Somebody wrongs you, you go to them, and they say, you know what, you're right, I'm so sorry. And then you build that trust back up. Open forgiveness is somebody wrongs you and you go to them and they say, hey, what I did, I did, and I'll do it again. Well, definitely need a border wall there, right? You better put that wall up in your life and you, you, you can forgive them, but you can't let them too close because they'll bite you, right? Open and close forgiveness. Love's the same way, guys. There's some people we have to love from a distance, but Jesus says to love them. Listen, kingdom culture, culture of our kingdom. We should be loving everybody, no matter who they are, not agreeing with them, not condoning maybe the things they do wrong, but loving them. Uh, listen to Matthew 4 or 5, verse 43. You've heard that the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. So I don't know how they pulled that out of the law, but they did. So Jesus is setting, this is the king setting his culture. But I say, love your enemies. It blew their gaskets. It blew my gaskets as a young Christian. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your father in heaven. So kingdoms set laws and we have one law and it's to love even our enemies. Now, again, every time we submit to one of these laws, guys, it produces freedom. I have never felt freedom like I do today. I have no enemies. There are people I don't agree with. There are people I don't appreciate, but I have zero enemies. I have odd against no one. It's the most beautiful place in the world to be. I have no anger in my heart. That's going through 2020 without anger politically. That's amazing. I don't agree with everything I see. I don't agree with everything that happens but my king gave me a law. It is called the law of love. And you think it might ruin your life. No, it's freed my life. I'd be, I'd be a 61-year-old bitter, crazy man ready to shoot somebody if I didn't submit to this law, guys. And it's amazing how it's changed my life and the freedom that it's given me. And I wanna make sure that happens in your life. That's the second principle. Guys, remember, when we realize we belong to a kingdom before we belong to a country, it changes everything. It brings more freedom. We look different. The world looks at us and say, you're the third way. There's, you're not normal, right? In a good way. Well, well here's, here's my third principle. You ready? Kingdom culture must be adapted to, not negotiated. There's no negotiation. Jesus set the culture we can't negotiate. When I was a kid, no matter what rules my parents set, I tried to negotiate the rules. And I won sometimes. I was just a good debater, and I think I just got on their nerves. So sometimes they changed, they changed the rules. And I did that in school. I had some teachers. I would just bug them and bug them, and then they changed the rules for the whole class. Um, I, I, I was a pain in the dupa, right? But the kingdom of God doesn't work that way. You cannot negotiate with God. He says, these are my cultural rules. This is the culture of the kingdom. And my only choice, your only choice is we adapt to it. But that adapta adaptation 
brings total freedom. So there's something that's connected to the third way that some theologians, I learned this from some theologians, okay? Mark 1, verse 15, listen to Jesus. And saying, Jesus, Jesus said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Now, as a young person and as a pastor, I'd read this and, and I would see it through the eyes that all of us see it through, right? That Jesus is saying, my kingdom's come. Uh, it's good news. Accept Christ, repent of your sins. And, and it's powerful. It's powerful at that level. But I heard these theologians say that Jesus was literally pray, playing with the heads of the Romans when he said this. That changes everything because this is what Rome would do. Do you know that Rome, let's say they conquered Israel many years before Jesus was born. They defeated the Israeli army. And so they would come in and now they, they, they'd have this uh, diplomat and he'd speak to the Israeli people. And here's what they would say. Here's how this went. He would say, rejoice, good news, good news. The Roman empire has come and it's really positive. Good news, good news, the Roman Empire has come. We're bringing our roads, we're bringing all our technology, all of our science. Good news, good news, the Roman Empire would come. But then they would say this, repent. And this is a Roman word that Jesus chose to use, and it literally means to surrender. They'd say, repent and worship the emperor. That's how they came into a country to take over. So Jesus is literally saying, all right, I'm the king of kings. Let me take your terminology and let me bring it into a spiritual light. And so what does Jesus say to us guys? He says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Good news, good news. I brought my kingdom to the earth. And then what does he say to us? Repent or surrender. And so we did that when we accepted Jesus, right? Yeah, that's stage one. But now as we're walking with Jesus, guess what happens? He's saying to us, hey guys, as you walk, you're gonna keep growing and you're gonna have to keep repenting or surrendering to my culture. And Jesus taught us that right out of this verse, but he taught us this in other verses too. And there's a section of scripture where I, Jesus talked about this and it, it brings this third way out. So Jesus was saying to the Roman empire, hey, we're not surrendering to Caesar. He's saying to the religious people, we're not going that man-made direction, but guys, I need you to surrender to me as the king and surrender to my culture. Culture's a big deal. And so listen to this, Luke 14, 25. A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, verse 27. I could read verse 30, 26, but I'm just, I want verse 27 for time's sake. And if you do not carry your, your own cross or pick your cross up and carry it and follow me, you cannot be my disciples. He's saying, you cannot be a kingdom person and, and, and follow the culture of my kingdom, unless you're willing to do something, you have to pick up your cross. Follow me. Jesus talked about this in another location and he said, you need to do it daily, every day, pick up your cross. What does that mean, guys? It, it, the cross is a symbol of death and it's just you and I saying, you know what? I'm gonna pick my cross up. I'm willing to, to die to my desires. I'm willing to die the way I want, the way I want to do things and I'm gonna take on the culture of the kingdom. And that's why he says, and follow me, follow me. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, it's what happened to me when I was 20. You read the Bible. He says, hey, I want you to live sexually pure. And then you say, okay, I'll live sexually pure. And you surrender. You just surrender. That's what it means to pick your cross up. You surrender or repent. And you say, Jesus, 
I'm going to follow you. I realize that you are the king, and I'm going to take on that part of the culture. And again, this can be negative, but when I read this, I see nothing negative at all. This is all positive. Again, when I surrendered and said, all right, Jesus, I'll walk the walk of sexual purity. That's one of the cultural uh, kingdom principles. It brought freedom in my life. I never felt such freedom ever. It brought joy and peace, which I didn't have when I was living the other lifestyle. When I took on the can-do attitude, it brought peace and it brought freedom and it gave me a boldness like I never had. I didn't have that before. I was negative Joe, right? And then when I said, all right, Jesus, you set the law of love and I have to, that's daily, right? Yeah, we have new events that happens where we have to decide, you know what, I'm gonna walk in the law of love. I'm gonna love some of these crazy cahoots uh, uh, over in Washington. I'm gonna love some of these crazy news people. I can't agree with them, but I can pray for them and I can love them and I cannot speak evil about them. I can do those things, but I can't, I can't hate them. I can forgive people that wrong me personally. I can love people that wrong me personally. And guys, every time we pick up that cross and we realize, hey, in the kingdom, our culture isn't negotiated. It is adapted to. It brings so much freedom. So this is so positive. And I'm convinced right now people are listening. Many of you have been around a long time. Many of you have been doing this for years, picking up your cross, following Christ. You're walking in kingdom culture. I commend you. I commend you. But we're going to be challenged as we continue to walk forward. Some of you have been challenged recently, right? And I just want to encourage all of us, wherever we're at in our walk with Jesus, to find out what the culture of his kingdom is. He said it. We know what the law of the kingdom is, love, right? And begin to adapt to it. Begin to say, you know what? I don't like it. I don't want to do it. I'd rather do something else. I'd rather be negative. I'd rather walk in sin in this area or that area. But Lord, I'm adapting to that. And freedom's going to come in your life like you never had. Fear's going to leave. Anger's going to leave. Depression's going to leave. And peace and joy are going to come into your so I want to pray with everybody right now. So if you're from the Boardman campus or the Warren campus, guys at TCI, let's bow our heads. Let's pray. And Father, here's my first prayer for every single one of us. Lord, only you by the Holy Spirit can deal with us concerning kingdom culture. We thank you that you've set a culture. It's an amazing culture. Thank you for setting it, Jesus. Thank you for making it easy to understand. And as we go through life and we read our Bibles and we hear some things in the Bibles, Lord, we're going to begin to adapt to it because that's where freedom comes. And Lord, thank you for reminding us of the law, the law of the kingdom. Oh my goodness. We need it more than now than ever, Lord. Thank you for helping us love even our enemies, love those that we don't like. Just love them, Lord God. We thank you for helping us. Guys, let's stay in that attitude of prayer. Lord, I thank you for the Holy Spirit ministering life. We thank you for you giving grace for us to adapt and grace for us to have that can-do attitude as we walk through 2020 and into 2021, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that you're in complete control of everything. Now, maybe you're listening. We had folks listening last week. They were visiting and they accepted Christ. And maybe you're listening. This is your week. So I don't believe you're here by mistake. Someone in our church might have invited you. Maybe you, your church canceled services and you're listening. So right now, I am not asking you 
to join our church or religion. I'm not asking you if you grew up in church, if you were water baptized as a baby or an adult, all great things. Here's the biggest question someone could ever ask you. If they love you, they'll ask you this question. What have you done with Jesus? Jesus said, I am the King of Kings. He died for the sins of the entire world. He was buried three days and three nights and then God raised him up out of the grave. And the Bible says, Jesus says, whoever accepts him will become part of my kingdom. Can you remember a time in your life when you prayed and said, Jesus, I realize you're the only way to heaven. If you can't remember that time, why not make it right now, right at this moment? Why, don't, why not pray with me? And all of you that are you know, Christians, can you stay online and pray for the people that are praying? Just to stay engaged for a few more minutes. And if you're praying this prayer for the first time, just simply mean it. Say this after me, say, Lord God, I realize I was born a sinner and I need a savior. So today I look to the ancient king, Jesus. Jesus, I believe you died for the sins of the entire world, that you were buried, that you spent three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, and God raised you up out of that grave. I realize you're God the Son, you always existed, you died for us, and I accept you as my Savior today. I repent, I submit to you. You are the king, I bow my knee to you. Amen, amen. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast. Thank you.